Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Megan Sneddon. Before we get to Megan, I have a few announcements. One, our website is TravelTalesPodcast.com. You can go there, see articles that I've written, see articles that some of the guests have written. You can see uh, links to their social media. You can see links to our social media. And that is, of course, Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter, uh, there's links to our Facebook page. I would like likes and follows on all those outlets, if you could do that. There are links to iTunes, uh, or I should say Apple Podcasts now. I always get that wrong. And they're going to change it again, probably. Yeah, the podcasts are going to be a separate thing on iTunes. It's going to be very confusing. And I know I'll hate it because it's change in technology, and I move slow on that, as we all know. But anyway, there are links to Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio where you can follow us. And we're also on Spotify. So if you listen there, give us a follow there and give us a good review on all those platforms. I would appreciate it. That boosts our presence there and helps more people find the show. So that's a cool thing to do. And if you want to write me, maybe you want to say nice things. Maybe you have some travel questions you'd like me to answer. Or maybe you have suggestions for the show. Maybe you think you'd be a good guest. Maybe you know somebody who would be a good guest. You can recommend them. You can write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. Well, regular listeners might have realized that I missed a week last week. For the first time in the history of this show, which is now over seven years... I skipped a week with no explanation. I just did it. Why? I was on vacation. I was gone for three and a half weeks out of the country. First two weeks were spent in Africa. Uh, the first week there, I was doing my gorilla trek that was uh, the subject of our last episode that aired. And after that episode, I went on my own to Victoria Falls, Zimbabwe, which was incredible. I got a great uh, video f I made from that. That's on our YouTube channel and our Facebook page. I also have two new gorilla videos up there. So check those out. And after Victoria Falls, I went up to Ethiopia and spent three days, a couple days in the capital, Addis Ababa, and then I flew for one night to La Labella, where the famous underground churches are. Google them. It's fantastic. Great photos there from Instagram, and I'm, I'm in the process of making more videos for that. And while I was in Ethiopia, there was a coup attempt in one region of the country, actually the region of Lalabella where I was going, uh, where two high-level uh, government officials were assassinated in what was discovered to be an inside job. And the country was tense. And the government chose to shut down the internet in the entire country. I didn't think that was possible in an entire country, but if you uh, put some pressure on the internet providers, which they could do, uh, it's possible, and they shut it down. So I was without any internet for three days. Which, as someone who likes to sometimes alter his plans on the fly while traveling, that is a drag. <laughs> that is a, a difficult thing where you get no Wi-Fi or anything. My T-Mobile phone service did not work there. So it was like the old days. It was blackout. Luckily, I had booked all my flights uh, beforehand because um, from there I was going on to Sicily through Rome and then later on to London, which I managed to do, but 
it was a little hairy at first getting getting out of uh, Ethiopia. But uh, Ethiopia, again, wonderful people. The food, incredible. But it is a poor country. And, you know, with all that that comes with it. A lot more, say, begging in the streets. And uh, you see a lot more poverty and that kind of thing. It's a hard life. But the uh, the people, again, I found to be uh, quite wonderful. Everybody I encountered there. So, But it's nothing like a coup attempt to uh, slap you into some reality. So I'd be lying if I say I wasn't a little relieved to land in Europe and uh, get to Sicily, where five days with friends uh, was fantastic. It was hot, hotter than any place I experienced in Africa, because I did my homework and went to places that were cooler this time of year. But Sicily was hot, but luckily every place we stayed had a pool and uh, hung out with uh, two of my best friends from high school and their families and ate like a maniac, pasta, gelato, seafood, yes, all of it. It was fantastic. Wine, absolutely. And then it was off to London, where I stayed with my friend Kathy Bianchi, who's a former guest of this show. And uh, she's about to leave London, so I'm going to lose my spot where I stay in London. And, and uh, oh, I'm going to, not only will I miss her there, but uh, I'm going to miss her amazing flat in London, where I could always stay for free. And with London hotel prices, having a free place to stay in London is huge. Huge. But she decided she's ready to come back and live in America. And she couldn't have picked a better time because everybody's getting along in America great. <laughs> the country is more united than ever. Oh, couldn't have, couldn't have picked a better time, Kathy. But we will welcome you back. And while I was in London, I checked off another bucket list item of mine and I went to Wimbledon. Showed up, opening day of Wimbledon, got there about one in the afternoon where the line, the famous queue, had uh, dwindled considerably because everybody got in in the morning. And I waited for about 25 minutes Paid my 25 pounds, which is about $32 US, and got in. Got the run of the whole grounds. Couldn't get into center court and uh, courts one or two, but everything else, I could, I could just walk around. And there was just, there's like 18 courts. You could just walk around and uh, I could reach out and touch some of the players. It was, it was incredible. What an experience. That one was really cool. Ran into friend of the show, Lee Abamante, who happened to be there as well. Small world. So if you ever find yourself in London, show up and go to uh, Wimbledon. You never know. I thought, looking online, they made it look like getting tickets for that would be impossible. But when you travel solo, you can get a single ticket quite often just about anything. There always seems to be room for one dude, (laughs) if you're willing to wait a little bit. I just went for the experience, and the experience was great. What a beautiful place. What a great trip. It was a fantastic, fantastic trip. And if you've got any questions uh, about any of these places that I mentioned... You can feel free to write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. But other than recording the Gorilla Gang, the ladies in my, uh, my group in uh, Rwanda and Uganda, I did no recording on the road. I really wanted to record an episode with my guide in Lalabella, Ethiopia. It was a really interesting guy whose name was Memekia. And if you ever go to Lalabella, Ethiopia, let me know because I will give you his information. He was a wonderful guide. And I wanted to interview him after our tour of the churches, but he had to, he had uh, another engagement, so he couldn't do it. That was the one time I really wish I would have recorded somebody, but uh, it just didn't work out. So needless to say, uh, I missed a week, but we all survived, right? Am I allowed a summer break? I believe I am. And after a busy week on my return, we are back into the swing of things. And we have a great guest with great energy, and and thank God she brought energy in the room today, because I am coming off of A real sick... I had a 24-hour sickness. Maybe you can still hear it in my voice. And I hardly ever get sick. But uh, something crept up on me. And uh, for 24 hours, I did not leave my uh, bed yesterday. I was knocked out. 
And I was worried I might have to cancel with Megan, but uh, thank goodness I didn't because she has the positivity that I needed. Megan Sneddon has a travel blog, Hey Wonder Woman, and she has another site called The Kind Effect, where she goes to various places here and abroad and does good things, just random acts of kindness with strangers. And having come back from a place where I've uh, witnessed uh, the genocide memorial in Rwanda, a coup attempt... And you come back to America where the rhetoric from our government and our people is uh, uglier and uglier. I tend to gravitate more nowadays to positive people and people doing good things. And Megan is definitely one of those people. In an internet full of negativity, here she is going out doing kind things for people. And man, could we use a little more of that. So check out her sites, follow her. There are links to all her uh, pages and uh, her Instagram and everything else at Travel Tales Podcast. So as someone who was recovering from jet lag and a 24-hour flu, I really needed some Megan Sneddon in my life. So it was great to meet her, and I hope you enjoy meeting her. Here's my conversation with the lovely, charming, hey wonder woman, Megan Sneddon. Okay, I say we fire it up. Let's Me- fire it up. Megan Sneddon. Yes, did sir. I say that right? Sneddon? You did. Thank you so much for saying it right. How many? Well, there's not too many ways you could say it, the way it's spelled. I get, there's not an H in there, but no. I get Shedden, Sneedon, Sneddon, and then I get just people who are generally confused and just look at it and then look at me and don't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> people, are, uh, people are so dumb. What, um, okay, so where are you from? Where, where did you grow up? I'm originally from Riverside, California. Oh, an actual native. An actual wow. native of California. I, didn't meet, I don't meet yes. too many of them. Wow. Okay. So Riverside, that's inland. It is inland on a good traffic day from Los Angeles. It's probably an hour and a half from here on a bad traffic day. It can be yeah. four hours from here. I just had to drive to Lake Arrowhead uh, right. a couple of days ago. And that was... Uh, the worst. I, yeah. Well, I had to leave. It's almost like you... You have to leave before, like I had to be there in the mornings. They're like, okay, be here at 9.30. Well, it's like, if I don't leave here, if I don't go through the city before 7, I'm screwed. So I had to leave like 6.30 and I was there an hour early, but I'd rather do that than sit in traffic for an hour. You know, people from other states might make fun of how Californians (laughs) complain about driving in traffic. but It's a real issue. You've actually felt (laughs) how soul crushing it is. To drive 10 miles and sit in your car for three hours, it's uh, I don't know how people do it every day. If I had to, you know, know, some of the jobs I've had that, you know, I talk to people on their daily commute and they go, oh, yeah, we live in uh, Rancho Cucamonga. And I uh, and it's like, you drive here to Hollywood every day. I mean, that would I would kill myself. There's no way. (laughs) I hope you wouldn't. I might. I hope you wouldn't. I might. It would really be astounding for them to add up how many hours in a year they spend well, in their like car Orange County commute. and come in every day. I just thought, wow. Getting from Riverside to Newport Beach during those peak hours on the 91, <laughs> unimaginable traffic. We, this, is, this is LA car talk. I can't believe we're talking LA traffic about this talk. We, are the, we are those people now. We really, that SNL sketch, sketch yeah. the Californians, is very true to life. For you, I take the 405 to the 10 to the, to the 101. <laughs> um, okay, so you grew up there. Um, was going to the ocean 
which is only probably like what 50 miles yes was that like a big deal that was was that like a big trip for you <laughs> that was now we're I, here in santa monica <laughs> i we i i had a family that did not well basically did not travel for starters they didn't but coming to los angeles was a big deal I have these memories of the only reason why we'd ever come to Los Angeles is if we were going to see a show at the Pantages. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, fancy. Big play. Yeah. Fancy. Big play. Musical. But my dad would be like white knuckling the steering wheel. My mom would be like, Jerry, watch where you're going. Slow down. Slow down. He's just yelling at each other the whole time. And I'm in the back seat trying to just keep my cool and hug my stuffed animal. And it was an ordeal. That was a big thing, you know? Um, so I didn't really start traveling at all until my 20s, which was when I got a passport. So you didn't take uh, like family trips in the car? Did you go to like Mexico or anything or do anything like that? You know, yes. Amendment to what I just said. Okay. We did do a lot of road trips in the United States. Okay. So we would pack yeah, up. Yeah, that's what we did. I never, I never yeah, left the country until I was in my 20s. Oh, yeah. Me too. Got my me first too. passport after college. Me too. Where'd exactly. you go to school? I went to school in Santa Barbara at UCSB. Gauchos, oh, any gauchos listening? Ooh, ooh. Oh, yeah, it was... Um, that sounds awful. Yeah, living in the dorms that was right by um, the ocean oh, and walking looks like out the, the south door. Of goes, it, was, it was so hard. Oh, every time I go there, I'm like, I can't believe like uh, th- this is your daily i mean it's so different from where i went to school i went to like northern illinois university oh you did which is in the middle of a frozen cornfield uh, <laughs> and they're just like uh, and then i go to santa barbara i go oh, really it's this a is- little it's a little different uh, we speak the same language though d- well mm, <laughs> kind of kind of um so yeah i heard that's hard to get into because so many people want to go i was an overachiever in oh, high good for school you. Good yeah, for you. So I, Gauchos. I locked those grades in so I could right. escape from mom and dad three hours away. <laughs> three hours away. cool. Uh-huh. <laughs> bye, oh, mom. That must bye have been dad. great. So, okay. Did you... Was journalism your thing then? or You know what's we, really interesting about that time of my life was I went into university undeclared and I just took every class imaginable to try to figure out what I wanted to study. I was like, maybe I'll study art. And my dad told me, he's like, if you do that, I will disown (laughs) you and you'll have to change your last name. I'm like, fine, no one can pronounce it anyway. Uh, (laughs) Shedden. Shedden, exactly. So I, I just took a bunch of classes. I could never quite figure it out. And then I started taking international relations classes and loving that. And I was really fascinated by the fact that I enjoyed that when I, the world was not really on my radar at all. It came from Riverside. And I'm like, oh, my God, wait, Asia, Africa, Europe. Right. And I, I really became hungry to learn as much as I could. So that was my primary major. And I always loved writing. So I gravitated toward that as well. Started working for the college newspaper as a reporter, then moved my way up to um, an editorial position there. And then even after I graduated college, though, even though as I'm telling you this, it sounds like, oh, she was on a clear path towards something. Right. I, I didn't see it that way. I never thought like, oh, I am working toward journalism. It just was kind of the thing that I ended up going into because I must have been in the shower and it dawned on me like, oh, wait, I studied <laughs> international relations and writing in college. I worked for the newspaper. I should be a journalist. It it just kind of now in retrospect I look back and I go oh well I guess I can see how that came came together but 
did you immediately to doing a blog or did you work for like a you know another organization do you have a real job I have had real jobs before. <laughs> I, when I graduated from school, I still was in that, I don't know what I'm going to do phase. I mm-hmm. first actually got an internship in the photography, at a photography school called Brooks Institute of Photography. Where's that? In Santa Barbara. Oh, okay. Yeah. And this was during the recession. So the school actually ended up closing. Oh. I know. It was a bummer. But I wasn't really sure what else to do, so I took off and I ended up living in South America for a couple years. And while I was doing that, I started pitching stories to media outlets and had some success with it. And then one day I woke up and thought, oh, I need to take this serious. And I was ready to dive in head first, I guess, to a real career after feeling like I had spent so much time waffling. So I like packed up my bag from Argentina and I moved directly to New York City and was meeting with as many people as who would give me time for it. And I ended up working for a lot of mainstream media outlets like BBC, USA Today, International Business Times, Yahoo, Men's Journal, the whole the whole dealio. That writing, was about, deep- writing about travel stuff mostly? Writing about travel stuff mostly and some business entrepreneurship stuff. Okay, so okay, you just glossed over the two years spent in South America. <laughs> Where so was it? Argentina the whole time? Argentina and Peru. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. I've been to both those places, but like Buenos Aires is one of my favorite cities. Isn't it the best? It's great. It's it's why everything. there of all those it's places? Everything. Why did you of the whole world to go live for two years? Why did you pick there? I think long pause. You just like steak. You couldn't eat enough steak and empanada? <laughs> uh, I actually don't eat a lot of red meat. Oh, my gosh. How I did know. you survive in I Argentina? Know. Well, I, I did at the time. I gained probably like 25 <laughs> pounds when I was there. <laughs> and then I was like, I need to pull back. Yeah. Um, the, I think that our soul and the things that we are called to mysteriously is one of the greatest things of life that we spend time unraveling and understanding. And when I look back on why I felt drawn to Argentina, South America and living there, I really, I don't know. It's, I, I started taking Spanish as part of my major. And then I, I worked for actually a, a catering company while I was in college, in addition to the newspaper and some other odd jobs. And I met these Argentinians who were so jovial and full, mm. full of life and fun to be around. And their type of Spanish just really felt like music to my ears. And when they told me all the beautiful and romantic things about Buenos Aires, the tango, the, the neighborhood, the colonial style of the neighborhoods in San Telmo, of course, the steak and empanadas and how warm and amazing <laughs> the people are. I just felt like that is the place for me. I really need to be there. And my parents maybe low-key freaked out when mm-hmm. I ended the job at the photography school and was like, hey, so, um, yeah, I'm moving. They're like, oh, <laughs> where? Like Denver, you know? Van Nuys. Van, West Covina. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, No. A little farther south than yeah. there, you know. Oh, La Jolla! I'm like, oh, we love La Jolla. I'm like, no, farther yeah. south, like a lot farther south. Was 
funny how you say about the um, the accent down there because that was the one place my Spanish got me nowhere. Like their accent is crazy in it's Buenos Aires. So crazy. And it it's, sounds very Italian to the ear. It's not even just the accent. It's the words that they use also yeah. that have different meanings. Pojo, cage. They say palta for avocado instead of aguacate. Yeah. And boliche is a nightclub versus I want a discoteca. Yeah, so I, right. I got there and one of the funniest memories I have, this guy asked me out on a date when I first got there. My Spanish was terrible. And I, I straight up told them, like, you don't want to go on a date with me because we are not going to understand one another at all. And he was convinced he wanted to go on a date. He's like, yep, we're going on a date. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, you'll be good. It'll be good for your Spanish. And I did. Then when we were having coffee, he was just talking at me and I was watching his facial expressions to figure out how I should appropriately respond. Right. Get so a when gist he, of maybe. He would furrow his brow and then I would furrow my head brow. Mm, mm-hmm, yeah. Interesting. Mm, yes. Interesting. And then he'd go, oh, laugh. And I'd go, ah, yeah, see. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and at the end, he'd said to me, you didn't understand anything I was talking about, did you? I was like, no, I didn't. No. <laughs> yeah. And that man is your husband And now today. we're married. <laughs> <laughs> so did you work while you were down there? Or did you, like, did you have a job? Depends on who's asking. Or I'm is asking. The U.S. government asking? Yes, they, I, mean, yes I work for the, um, the IRS. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but I mean, do you have to have like a work visa? Or did you, are we there illegally? Hypothetically, if one were to go to Argentina, not me, but not hypothetically, if someone if were to go, if someone down there. hypothetically were to go and try to stay long term in Argentina, Uruguay is very close by to the border of Argentina. In fact, from Buenos Aires, you can actually hop on a boat. I did. I went to that little yeah, Colonia. Colonia. Yeah, yes, yeah. exactly. And did you notice that when you entered Uruguay, you got a stamp? Yeah. So every every six months you had to go down there and get a stamp. Well, hypothetically speaking, if, if somebody well, wanted that, to, yes. they could just go to some of the other bordering nations and get a you know a new stamp and continue staying. And gotcha. I definitely didn't you know you anyone who would like do that. that. No, not at all. And hypothetically, also, if anybody wanted to do any paid work, they hypothetically if they were to get paid in cash for doing things like translation work for environmental aid NGO that ah. they may or may not have spent time at gotcha. or you know Dancing. doing any cocktailing at a bar <laughs> or nanny work that they may or may not have right, gotten right. paid in cash but i did actually write a few different journalistic articles at that time that i got paid maybe 75 dollars for sweet but the living isn't that uh, expensive down there. Not at all. Not at all. So in the beginnings of building my journalism career, when I got paid $75 for a journalism story, that was a lot of money. That was essentially half my rent. Yeah. <laughs> that was half my rent in Argentina at the time. Wow. So your money Sweet. goes a lot farther. Yeah. Did um, Okay. So when did Peru come in? You know, Peru was actually before Argentina. Oh, okay. I... I guess, well, admittedly, <laughs> I had a Peruvian boyfriend. Ah, uh, here we go. I see where this is going now. I had a Peruvian boyfriend. I didn't understand a word he said, but, <laughs> but yet we communicated. No, I mean, he was a Peruvian American. Okay. Right, he was, yeah. Um, I, 
had told him about my dream of living in Argentina. He's like, no, 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 you have to go live in Peru. Peru's the best. Yeah. And of course, your boyfriend knows everything. Then you meet a guy from Paraguay. He goes, no, you have to go to Paraguay. That's the best. Then you meet a Brazilian. You have to go to Brazil. That's the best. Exactly. Exactly. So I don't regret any of the decisions I've made. I mean, some of them, not all. (laughs) But I, 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 um, well, I flew into Lima with not only him, but actually a, a big group of friends. We oh, spent okay. some time there and then they all left. And me and a girlfriend of mine went up to Trujillo is like eight hours by bus north of Lima, um, close okay. to the coast. And we lived with a host family there and we taught English in a school. Oh, wow. And then we went up to Mancoras, like near the border of Ecuador. And um, it's a big surf community. And then we came down, did the whole, the thing. We did the thing. Machu Picchu uh, and the, the whole Machu thing. Pichu Cusco. And the, yeah, exactly. The thing. We did the thing. Then I continued to stay on there in Lima. Came back to the States thinking that that South America... I was going to say that South America itch had been scratched, but that sounds <laughs> wrong. But essentially that that desire would have been satisfied. But I came back feeling really just sad and out of place in California trying to get a real job and stuff because I still right. had this dream of living in Argentina. So I just I just left again. So this Peruvian guy. Yeah. Went, that went south. That went <laughs> that went away. Yes. OK. <laughs> I was yes. say, obviously, that didn't work. That didn't take. Let's just say. It didn't. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Didn't. And then you get down to Argentina. Mm-hmm. So two years there, all together in South America. You come back here. You're like, okay, I'm going to New York. How long were you in New York? I was in New York off and on, I would say, for probably three-ish years. Okay. Where'd you live? When I first, first moved there. Do you know New York City? I lived in Brooklyn for about a year and a half. Oh, okay, cool. So when I first moved there, I was really broke coming off... <laughs> the back of this Argentina trip and moving from the Argentina sure. peso to the dollar again. So I should go to the most expensive city so you to sh- live in. Sure. You definitely should. I, know. <laughs> I like this plan. This is, this is all right. <laughs> yeah, it was like that or San Francisco, yeah, you know, know what I mean? Or, mm-hmm. or Tokyo. Uh, I lived in Crown Heights, Brooklyn. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. It wasn't as up and up as it is now back then. It was still... No, believe me. I was there in 96. So, I mean, before Brooklyn became Brooklyn. Brooklyn, So, it was Mm -hmm. actually kind of affordable. Now, it's ridiculous. I was in Park Slope. Oh, Park Slope was affordable at one point? Wow. 23 years ago. Yeah. Ooh, jeez. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. But then I went back like literally three years after I left. I came here in 97. November of 97. Hmm. I remember coming back in like early 2000s and uh, didn't even recognize the place. It was, it was unbelievable. I imagine. And we had a nice place. We had a nice place too. Oh. We, were, we had a backyard. And, oh. Uh, I've never had a backyard. I know. I know. It's, it was nice. I've always lived places that are too expensive to have a backyard. <laughs> but I would love one. Yeah. I have fantasies about summer barbecues and lantern lights. Right. I mean, I had two roommates, but I mean, at the time, it was still kind of affordable. But uh, now, I can't imagine what that place goes for. It was yeah. so nice. It was like Fifth Avenue and Third Street. You know where that is? No. Okay. In Brooklyn? In Park Slope, yeah. Oh, in Park Slope. So like I fifth was like the southern there. border of Park Slope, and like if you if you went down, I'm the fourth thinking of by Vanderbilt. Us. Do you know remember Vanderbilt? Yeah, that became yeah. like okay. So me somewhere yeah, to yeah. the left of New that. New York, talk. okay. <laughs> so um, did you like New York? 
I really loved New York until I didn't love New York anymore. Gotcha. It can it can burn you out pretty quick. It yeah, I mean If you're not if you're not making money, it can get hard pretty quick. You know, it wasn't it wasn't the money thing that burned me out on New York City. It really was that I changed as a person and I had lost my dad when I unexpectedly when I was 25. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. That's awful. And at the point that I had spent probably close to two years already in the city, or a year and a half, I guess I should say, ish. Everything's an ish in my mind. Nothing's a perfect timeline. It's okay. I really loved it then, I think, because I I had a tougher skin. But then after that loss, I had moved back to California to help my family and then went back to New York. I just became such a more sensitive and I think broken, open person than I was before. So I had really a lower tolerance. And these are the reasons why I kind of came back to California is I needed somewhere a little bit more squishy and forgiving, I yeah. think, to, to come really, home you don't to. Really, you don't find New York very forgiving and <laughs> warm? The, yeah. Listen, the people are good. <laughs> no, the people are good. They're great. I love New Yorkers. I think they're amazing. But the city itself, yeah, it's a million miles yeah. an hour all the time. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. Life is harder there. The um, So was after that, when you came back, I know we haven't talked yet about the, um, the kindness yeah. thing you're doing. Mm-hmm. So was, was that... Uh, tragedy with your dad was that was that the inspiration for all this like first of all say tell everybody what the kindness <laughs> the thing, thing that is. i do with the kindness, kindness the kindness thing it's is. called the kind effect okay and i guess it is a movement in a video and a video series about spreading joy through acts of kindness and i really additionally what i really wanted with the kind effect was to make purpose feel more accessible to people i think in the united states especially that we've put find your purpose on such a high pedestal that no matter how successful or how much work we put into something it never feels uh, like enough and it really is about the simple good things that you do every single day for people that can add up to the greatest difference that you make. And that really is something that I experienced that I was going when I was going through grieving the loss of my dad. There was when someone is going through grieving the death of somebody, I I know that no one can fix it because we're each individually responsible for our own emotional well-being, mental state. But there were little things that people did regularly for me that kind of kept the hope alive that I could be happy again or that the future could be a better place for me. And that even though I had lost such a central part of my family, that there really was hope for me to feel a sense of belonging once more through friendship and through relationships of other people. Now, did you see this as like a, uh, a show you wanted to pitch or like a, I don't know, uh, an online thing that you're doing? Or how did you see this as? That's interesting that you say that you're the first person to come across this because (laughs) (laughs) I originally did actually see it as a show that I wanted to pitch. and, And I thought like, oh, hey, if I just start recording my own videos and building my own audience, maybe. But over time, I guess it's I've only been doing it for a couple of years now. I've kind of actually let go of the idea of it needing to be a TV show. Plus, things have changed so much with the way that 
I think we consume content that things don't necessarily have to be on. You don't ABC. need it anymore. You don't really need it anymore. You can have, um, you can attract sponsors and build a whole show, if you will, through YouTube or other streaming channels. I mean, I'm not going to, if Netflix comes to me and says, hey, we want to make this into right. a show, I'm not going to be like, oh no, <laughs> change mm-hmm. my mind. But I really am, I'm cool with where it's at right now of continuing to do my own videos and, and owning those um, online and collaborating with different people and different brands to do those and just continuing to pay for the message of goodness on, on social and encouraging people to come do things with me at um, little get-togethers and stuff. So the, con- I mean, the concept is basically you're gonna wherever you go, you're gonna do something good. In now, was it always like a travel aspect to it, or did you say, well, I could do, you can do kind things without ever leaving your hometown, really, if you wanted. That's how it started because I wanted to keep it easy. Mm-hmm. Um, I started doing things in Los Angeles and I still continue to do things here. I'm going with a friend this week to Century City to try to find people in a corporate-ish looking area to play hopscotch with us. <laughs> <laughs> that was that kind or just uh, fun? It's fun. Okay. It's fun. I mean, the essentially the 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 nature of the content that I create is very lighthearted and is about Mm -hmm. spreading joy. Essentially. I try not to do a lot of heavy hitting videos like I've done in the past all the time, because I don't want to be like the crying channel. You know what I mean? I also want people to like this week on the crying channel. (laughs) This week on your life could be so much Mm -hmm. worse than it is. Megan cries again. (laughs) <laughs> Get your tissues ready. It's the kind of fact. Uh, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah. So it started kind of in Los Angeles, and I still do things here. But as I've, I think, grown more confidence and familiarity with the brand, I feel like I've been able to do more when I travel and when I go abroad as well. Now, was that uh, was the kindness part of it only uh, recently, or did the blog start before? that aspect of it did you have a travel blog to start with and then i think okay so the progression i see over time was i started in journalism which was i think taken more seriously 10-ish years ago than it is now and then the blogosphere started to expand and grow and then it was the rise of the influencer and so i've kind of noticed those things and i think i hopped on the instagram bandwagon before i jumped on the blog bandwagon and because so much of what i do is is travel i know that those are important things for me to grow so i would say it went instagram and my travel blog was actually on a different site at a, at the time then the kind effect came to the picture, and then I navigated my other travel blog into the platform that it is now, which is Hey Wonder Woman. And now I see myself kind of merging the two brands together where I'm traveling and doing kind deeds, and I'm able to share things that I'm doing from the kind effect over on my travel blog. And kind of, I don't see, I guess, kindness and travel as mutually exclusive. I'm finding ways now to marry those things together as my full identity. Well, and, when you look back on some of the places you've been and some of the things you've done, um, what are some of the ones that really stand out? Like some of your favorite ones that you did? 
When I went to Mexico City with my friend Kristen, we went to the flower market there and it's have you spent time in Mexico City? Yeah, I was just there last year for the first it's time. Wonderful, it was great. It? Yeah. It's wonderful, isn't it? It's really great. I, I did want, five days there. Yeah, I hope more people go to Mexico City. I've been plugging it I, ever since I went. Uh, if you guys need travel tips too, Mexico City. Yes. And I took Uber everywhere and I've been telling people that would save oh, my life. You will love this story then. Okay, good. <laughs> good. My friend Kristen and I went to, it's called Mercado Jamaica and it's the flower market in town. We Ubered out to this huge I mean, multi-block flower market and got multiple pounds of flowers. And then we caught an Uber back to one of the parks um, near Roma, mm-hmm. the Roman district of town. We're telling our Uber driver, oh, you know, we bought all these flowers because we're going to go to this park and we're going to go up to strangers and we're going to tell them that we love them and give them flowers. He's like, oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. And then I said, hey, do you want to come with us? <laughs> and our Uber driver, somehow we convinced him for the first part of this challenge to come with us. And he went to the park and he was the cutest old man. Aww. He was so adorable and so embarrassed um, because we were going up to people and we're not, we're saying I love you in Spanish, which in Spanish you can either say te quiero or te amo. And te quiero is, is very casual. You could say it to you know a friend it's like oh i love you you know but if you say te amo it's kind of like i am embroidering your name on hand towels yeah right his and hers Mm -hmm. we're spending we're in this in the long term you know it's very serious so you should i can't i'll send the video to you he was so embarrassed to go up to these because i would tell him who to go say it to and he literally like could not bring himself to say it he's like oh uh, i wanted to tell you that uh uh, just take these flowers <laughs> that he walks away That's that funny. one was really memorable because <laughs> it was i like doing things that are silly and kind of challenging for us because it's super awkward walking up to somebody and being like um i want you to know that i love you oh. and they're like how do people react okay some people were cool with it and were like wow i love you too thank you so much and then other people would roll their eyes and look at us very oddly yeah. and try to run away. Or we try to give them the flowers and I think maybe they they thought it was something. Which park was this? I can't remember. Was this the one name. with the dogs? Was there's there, dogs everywhere? There were like peop- people bring their dogs. There and, were people with dogs. No, it was like like shelters. People uh, oh. will watch them all day. People like bring their dog mm. and leave them all day. Oh. With these people that will just watch your dog. No, it wasn't that okay. one. Yeah, it was interesting. I can't remember the name of that park. There were trees and there were paths through it. Yeah, there were children playing. Mm. Yeah, I know that one. (laughs) The uh, my Uber story in in Mexico City is I went to the temples in Teotihuacan. You know the the temples. (laughs) Teotihuacan is that right? Okay, Um, but it's like an hour outside of town, and so. I got an Uber and I went really early in the morning, like around seven in the morning because they heard that was the best time to go and it's not crowded and it's not as hot and everything else. I was like, perfect. So I got there and my driver was telling me, he's like, I can't, I'll take you out there, but I, I can't get a ride back. You know what I mean? Like your Uber didn't work all the way out there. Whatever. So I was like, we got out there and I go, um, well, you want to come in with me? <laughs> <laughs> so so you'd have a so ride back? Yeah. <laughs> and he, so I uh, paid for him to come in. And then we just, uh, yeah, we walked around for like an hour or something like that. And he uh, shot photos for me and 
held you know shot some video for me while I while I did stuff and then that's awesome. Then I was going to um, uh, Zochimiko, the um, it's like the Venice. Of oh right, okay. Mexico, where there's mm-hmm. like the boats and and I said, well, you want to take me there? <laughs> <I> said, <laughs> he takes us. Basically, you know, he he got me there and then uh, he negotiated a boat. And we took a boat ride together. So we spent the whole day together. That's so cute. Yeah. I just imagine you guys skipping around eating cotton candy yeah, and like wearing the same t-shirt by the end of the day. <laughs> giving flowers to people. Saying, yeah, I giving love flowers you. to strangers. And, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I spent like all day with them. And the whole thing, maybe it cost like $80. But for that, I had a guide, a private car, and it was great. That's easy. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. So, yeah, Uber. Because I'm going to imagine that... Hitchhiking in Mexico is probably not recommended. No. And the cabs there in Mexico City, I mean, they were, you look at the Ubers were nice cars. I mean, they're all in good shape. And the, and the taxis were trashed, man. They were like jalopies. They're, and then you got to negotiate if, you don't, if your Spanish is not good. And you got to deal with cash. And that's like, say what you want about Uber. And then there's downsides to it. But I mean, that saved my ass. And, but the fact that you're alive right now. Yeah. And I... <laughs> And, you know, you, money's never changing hands. You know, it's not like, and they don't have, they can't like ride around the block and act like they're lost and, you know, have the meter go higher and higher and higher. So yeah. it is a, uh, it is a nice thing. So my favorite cab story or. Yeah, give please, me a good story. Uh, I hope that my mom's not listening right now. Oh, she's not listening. <laughs> uh, when I was in Mancora, I was in the very north of Peru. Okay. It's a surf town. So me and my um, couple girlfriends were there. You doing, surf? I do. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, we were there doing the whole beach thing. And, uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. So this is, uh, it comes to be dark. And we decide, you know, it's time to go home to, um, you know, where I can't even remember where our hostel was or why we had gone so far north to go to this beach. But we did. And there's, I'm, there's no clear, there's no Uber for starters at this time, especially Uber, I don't even think existed. And there's also no cars that say, Hey, taxi. There's just some dude with a car that is like, Hey, I'm a taxi. Yeah. <laughs> he saw like two um, girls. Hey, yeah, I'm a taxi. So we're like, yeah, get the back. We trust oh, everybody. No. We're young and in our early twenties. We should definitely. So we get in, in the back and, and, and some, you know, old person gets in the front. So I'm like, yeah, this looks more legit with an old person in the front. And it's one of those rattle trap cab situations where the trunk does not close, but they have a bungee to try to sure. hang it down. And we're driving down these dirt roads and it's like, <laughs> and he's like, oh, I need to stop and do an errand on the way there. And we're like, oh my God, what is this errand? We stop in front of this house and he, he gets out of the car. No, we didn't. But he gets out of the car and he's like, you help me with this favor. And I'm like, oh no. Again, I'm so sorry, Mom, if you're listening. Oh, no. Um, So we get out of the car, and he unbungees the back, and he opens it up, and there's all this... Uh, there's probably half of a dead cow in there, like just all this raw beef in the back. Oh. <laughs> and he's like, oh yeah, this is my friend's house. I told him I'd pick up this beef. Can we like carry it to the front door? And I'm like, oh my God, if I don't die, you know, so, so we're carrying this bloody meat, literally carrying bloody cow meat to somebody's front door. We give it to the guy and then we walk back and rebungee the car and go back, drops his foot arm hospital. And <laughs> if, if it were the meat, that could have been so much worse. It could have. It, like if it were the me of today, I right. wouldn't have even 
entertained this because I am now wiser and older well, and still on this planet. We'll talk about that as a um, you know as a woman traveling around. It can get a little dicey. Fair enough. Any other um, creepy guy stories? Have you been followed any places or? You know what's interesting? The most precarious situation that I've ever been in. In America? In general, in my travels, was in New York City. Sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Subway? Was this a subway story? No, this was in Crown Heights. Okay. But I, again, I would like to call attention to the fact that I was making some bad choices. Mm-hmm. I had gotten really confident, overly confident in my neighborhood. And I also, again, I had a little bit of a cocky attitude when I was in my early 20s. I'm like, yeah, I can't. I'm invincible, you know, I'm take care of myself. Sure. This neighborhood is not dangerous at three AM sure. when I'm riding on the subway by myself. Blonde instead girl of in taking Crown Heights doesn't cab. stand out at all. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> what I should have done when coming back from Manhattan at that time was taking a cab. Yeah. If you can get one, it'll drive you out there. If you can. Exactly. But instead I took the subway. It's late at night. I'm not paying attention because I had my hand computer out. My aka my cell phone was, mm-hmm. you know, texting on my cell phone instead of watching around me. You know, some distracted. And I, human nature is so funny to me because the minute I turned down my neighborhood street, I could feel the hair on my neck stand up for some reason, and it caught my attention. And then I, that's when I hear the footsteps behind me. I'm like, oh no, someone's definitely following me. Just wait too close to Mm -hmm. comfort you know and and the really messed up part about this whole scenario was i actually turned to look at him and he had his you know hood up over his head and when i made eye contact with him he's like oh hey good evening how are you and he smiles at me and and i was like hey i'm good great and I turn around and there's like this split second moment that my brain puts us all together that this is not a safe situation for me. So I turn back around to look at him. And as I'm turning to look, he's already like lunging at me. Oh, no. Yeah. But for any women that are listening, I am very serious about taking at least some self-defense classes because I had at this point done um, some Krav Maga and I took a weekend women's self-defense boot camp and just these basic skills that I learned from just even a little bit of self-defense I think is what made the biggest difference because I don't really know what this guy's intention was um, because I was able to get out of the situation and he didn't even take my stuff my bag was just lying on the floor when the like the cops, I ended up running away, and then the cops picked me up. And when we went back to the scene, my bag with all of my stuff in it was still there. So oh. I don't know if he freaked because I actually like out crazied him. What did you do? Like take a well, couple swings and just uh, yell real loud and. Uh, well, again, hey, maybe this advice will save someone else's life. Mm-hmm. But they tell you in self defense that if someone comes at you, that you shouldn't. If you can, you shouldn't run away. Because one of the worst things that can happen is if someone pushes you down on the ground from behind, like you're basically, it's hard to get up off the ground versus if you're able to kind of fight someone while you're standing. So instead of running away, you should run the opposite direction and also just immediately give up your stuff. Even if you have valuables in your bag, just let them have it, you know? And so at the, it, 
again, another slow motion moment where he was lunging at me with both arms to kind of grab me around the waist, but he missed because I like kind of bent forward. And then when I turned around, I took my, it was um, like a sling bag and I just launched it right in his face. And then I started running the opposite direction. And then they also tell you in self-defense that not to um, just scream. They say scream things with meaning that will actually catch people's attention. So I was like, my cat, my baby, it's fire, like (laughs) murder. I don't know this guy, you know, everything that you could possibly think of that earthquake, you know, waking (laughs) up everybody. So by the time I reached the end of the block, I think all of the lights in the neighborhood were on. I had no idea I could yell that loud. (laughs) And the cops came in like a split second. They were just around there. I mean, the cops were just happened to be nearby. I think they patrol the area but then also someone called it in when they heard me yelling and they showed up immediately uh and the actually one of the glory moments of my life was getting into the back of that police car because they said okay we're going to look and see if we find him and there's a someone radios the cop who's driving to ask about the situation and he's like like she fought him off and i was like yeah Yeah. did did it that's great but you know, that's just a story about how little things, again, can make a big difference in, in your yeah. life. And just knowing some basic release moves if someone grabs you by the wrist, like how to get out of that and the stuff about things. You should be yelling things with meaning and just uh, screaming because it, it, it's kind of like a car alarm. You ignore it if it doesn't catch your attention. Yeah. Boy, I'm trying to think of what I would yell. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> what do you yell with meaning? Like Shakespeare. <laughs> Just start reciting yeah. Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> to be or not, not to, to be. be. That is the question. <laughs> but wow, that's kind of scary. Here's what I do want to say about this whole thing. In all of the years of travel and all the places that I've been and all the things that I've done, this was really the only incident that I had. And sure, it could have turned out a lot worse. But it didn't because I made up for my bad choices by being a little bit street smart. But overall, I really do see the world as a safe place for solo female travelers. And that there's so many amazing destinations that you can go on your own. And really, even though I do travel, quote unquote, by myself, I'm not really by myself. Because as soon as I arrive somewhere, I make friends and surround myself with other people and that makes me feel safe. How do you usually, did you set it up before you go places or do you just like show up? Are you still doing hostels? So I, I'm past <laughs> hostel age. I'm done with the yeah, hostels. Yeah, hostels. I am also past hostel age. No. Okay, I might do the occasional hostel <laughs> here and there. <laughs> um, I would say go about it a few different ways. I started doing something called work away which is a volunteer work exchange program in other countries. And I, you meet a lot of people from all over the world through that. So last year when I did a big solo backpack journey, I met a lot of people through Workaway that I ended up meeting up with in other countries and traveling with later. Wait, when you go there, does this mean you, you get a job wherever you go? or It's kind it's of work- like you don't get a paid job. It's kind of like you do... Um, a certain number of hours of work in exchange for food and accommodation okay. and friendship. Uh, yeah. Like, for right. example... Uh, went, what countries did you go to? I went to Austria 
and I stayed at a Buddhist center in the Alps in just the beautiful oh, wow. rolling green hills. And I did a work exchange through Workaway there. And there were, I mean, there were people there from Nepal, Germany, Austria, Sweden, Brazil, Mexico. Like it was the, the whole world in one place. Um, so what are the accommodations like? I mean, I mean, is it like hostile I mean, type were, stuff? Yeah, it was pretty basic. I'm not particular though. Some people are very particular about their super lux, but I'm yeah. the kind of person that doesn't spend really any time in my actual accommodation when I'm somewhere. Yeah. Unless I'm it. having a treat myself moment to a hotel, which I do very occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'll meet people that way. I commonly put call outs on Facebook or I'll message other friends who work in the same industry to say, Hey, do you know people in XYZ place? So I'll meet friends of friends and make connections that way. Or there's these uh, women's travel groups on Facebook that it's a very large community of lots of women that also travel. So I might put something in there or ask other girls where they're going and arrange meetups that way. Or, I might go somewhere and try to see what type of events or meetups are going on in town, show up by myself and make friends that way or stay at hostel. Like there's just so many ways to meet people and make friends. Yeah. So uh, what is uh, next on your list? If, if you had, you know, what's your dream destination you haven't been to yet? Hmm. <laughs> there I, must, I know there's question. a bunch. Do you, I mean, if you, I mean, I'm assuming, do you go mostly places where you could use your Spanish skills? Yes. Yes, I do. I'm almost feeling like I'm having this, I'm going to call it a callback (laughs) situation right now because when I first was super hungry for travel, I told myself I want to go to all these crazy places that I've never been. And I was like, Kenya, Samoa, South America, Asia, just all over the place. And now for whatever reason, I kind of, I'm really gravitating toward exploring more of the United States, actually. There's a big section of the U.S. that I've never been to with beautiful, dramatic national parks and scenery. And I I really do think that the culture of different states in the United States is very interesting and fun to learn about. So I feel most interested in discovering my own country and also spending time in Europe. And I think I've saved these two places because they're so much easier to, you know, to get around. Right. I mean, you've done most of the hard stuff, you think? Have you done much done of Africa? Or? I've only done Kenya and Morocco. Okay. And it, of course, if someone was like, hey, want to go to Africa tomorrow? I would definitely say yes. Um, but it's not in my immediate travel plan, yeah. at least the next like four to six months. I haven't been to Morocco yet. I almost I wanted to do it because I just got back from Africa mm-hmm. and I was looking at it and I was like, because I was looking at the temperature around late oh, June. <laughs> yes. Like, nah, maybe I'll wait. It's and, well. Yeah, it's, it's hot. It's hot. Morocco is one of those places that you really need to be energized before you go there. Mm-hmm. Like you have to be in a good mental and physical state before you go and then you need to have a window for after you get back to recuperate because it's kind of have you been to india yes okay imagine that like yeah it's a little sensory overload yes the colors the smells the movement of the people the temperature it's just a lot of intensity yeah 
I get it. A lot I of get intensity. It. Yeah, I was going to, and I looked at uh, Egypt, the same thing. I was looking like, mm, I still haven't been, but it's going to be a different time of year, I think. Yeah, I wouldn't. <laughs> it's going to be a different time of year. This Not a lot of shade. Uh, hottest destinations yeah. of 2019 are either Mars or Egypt. Yeah, God. Um, but oh, so you're going to stay more, more uh, domestic. Stay more domestic. Oh, as I told you, I'm climbing Mount Whitney at the end of September. Yes. Doing some. Have you hiking. done any big, uh, big hikes? Any big mountain climbs? I did Kilimanjaro. You and did. And I got to think this. Yeah, I got to think this is going to be kind of the same. I would imagine um, I high elevation friends. climb. Yeah. Um, have you done high elevations? Have you been? How high is Mount Whitney? Is it like 14,000 something? <laughs> yeah, it's high. Okay. Yeah, it's very high. I did a 14er in Colorado. Okay. Um, Pikes Peak? Uh, no, it was Gray's Peak. Oh, okay. Um, How was that? It was cool. It was, it was, it was cool? Yeah. I mean, I find the altitude really starts to affect, I don't know, you, you start to feel it around over 10,000 feet. Okay. In terms of just like, you have a little trouble sleeping, you know, you're thirsty all the time, you pee a lot. I was just in Yosemite and Mammoth last weekend, and I yeah. that's like nine or ten. I was definitely feeling that, or a little just disoriented for the first couple of days, and then I yeah, you're short of breath. For me, it stuff. passes. Yeah, and mm-hmm. you get used to it, you acclimate. But then, what I found in Kilimanjaro was like at fifteen thousand feet. That's when it. That's when oh, I got geez. like headache, nausea, that kind of stuff. Oh, okay. That, that's good, when it. Good it's a different know. level of. But I don't think you you won't hit that at Whitney. It's just can get cold. It can yeah, get cold. Yeah, you be prepared. because you ultimately with Whitney, it's you summit and then you come back down. Yeah, it's a long so day. It's really long. You don't sleep on it, or do you? Yeah, you um you hiked out to a camping spot. Yeah, you camp and then you do the summit the next day and then come back down. Yeah, and then camp again and then come okay. out. Okay, yeah. when are you doing that? That's end of September. That's fun. So up until then, uh, me and really anybody who wants to go hiking, if you want to go hiking. I'm always looking for people I love to go hiking. hiking. You love hiking? Okay. Uh, yeah. but Getting what, outside, do an uphill walk for a long time. Dude, that's what I live for. Come back. The uh, what, Are you doing this with other people that you know? or Yeah, I'll be with three other people. Okay. Anybody we know from the show? Is no. Justin going? Oh, Justin is not going. Oh, okay. These are actually uh, some girlfriends that... You don't know from the show, but maybe oh, right. you would be interested in meeting my friend Kim. She's pretty cool. She has a blog. <laughs> She's a travel blog. Okay. Mm-hmm. That would be great. Yeah, you um, Yeah, I know you're friends with Justin Walters. Yes, yeah, he's the right. coolest. Justin's we were in Austria before. earlier this year and did some outdoorsy things together. I'm sure. Super fun. I'm he's, sure. Uh, have you had him on the show? He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's great. Yeah. Crazy. Was his, how, how often was his shirt off uh, on, the, <laughs> <laughs> on the vacation? <laughs> Justin, I mean, it's just. Hey, if I, I had I those abs, if I had those abs, my shirt would be off all the time too. I just, I, and I think I now am used to seeing his abs so much that it looks like a shirt. It <laughs> yeah, looks right. like you know those spray paint shirts that it's the abs are spray painted. It kind of looks like that. So I'm like, oh, he's wearing one of those shirts. <laughs> <laughs> we actually went skydiving a couple weeks ago in Carson City, Nevada. Oh my gosh! Okay. And he did it shirtless i'm sure of course he did they're like it's gonna be cold up there man he's like ah, i don't care <laughs> he doesn't care <laughs> that's so funny. i'm not on that bandwagon uh-huh. for obvious reasons how'd you do with the uh, skydiving it was really challenging you did a tandem right you i like, definitely did yeah. a tandem that's fine definitely yeah it was um i had a, a hard time working up the courage to to do it to jump out of an airplane that's not easy 
It's definitely not. And so not to be a Debbie, but Debbie Downer. Uh, <laughs> a a Debbie. Debbie. I just sort of I right, call I like Debbie. It. Um, so my, my dad, when he passed away, it was in an aviation accident. Oh. So for me, this was actually something that I wanted to do for myself because it was a, a personal challenge, I think, right. about the culmination of getting past a lot of um, trauma given the nature of my dad's accident. Um, and having Justin there shirtless was definitely really comforting (laughs) and the additional thing was i actually backed out of doing it at first but you know with the kind effect i i thought you know what if i make this mission about something greater than my fear and i write be kind of my hands and it kind of becomes a talk piece for promoting kindness even though it's (laughs) seemingly unrelated but i tried to tie it together being like oh dare to be kind you know uh be bold be kind or whatever and and so i i wrote be kind on my palms and jumped out like that. So I have this epic picture now on my Facebook. Oh, but, that's yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. Did, um, did you get at least enjoy some of the it's, view from up there? Okay. Despite what people, what might hold people back from skydiving, it really is an incredible experience. You, yeah. Did, did I you did it. it. You did I've it. I've done it before. Okay. Yeah. It's something that I really enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. And the scenery, when you pick a beautiful place to do it, is just amazing while you're on your way down because it feels like you're floating. How'd you f- do Carson City? Why there uh, as opposed to... I mean, there's places out here. You could do <laughs> there are. We um, we were on a trip actually with Visit Carson City to get oh, to know okay. um, that part of Nevada better. And there are also just a hop, skip, and a junk, uh, jump from Lake Tahoe is right there. And Reno. Um, and Reno. But it's... Um, they've renovated the area to and so it looks really brand new and it's a lot less crowded than reno during the summer so it has this fun outdoor music scene and small town vibe without the craziness of of reno yeah and but we uh when we jumped we jumped over lake tahoe so beautiful yeah that's great beautiful anything else did you want to try that you've been afraid to do and you know that's on there Stand up comedy. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Boy, are you in the right place. Oh boy. Yeah. I I don't know. I don't know if I'll actually do it or not. Well, you know, I told you Why would you be any I, different than anybody else in this town? I I don't know. I you know, I told you I incidentally did a little bit of stand up recently only because my friend and I went to an open mic night and he put my name in the thing. Right. But I got up and just told some stories about my very weird family. It got some laughs. But that feels different to me than actually trying to prepare jokes and present them for people. It's, it was like, oh, I didn't have any of my self-esteem writing on that when I was just like, <laughs> oh, this is a, a wash. But when you actually put creative work into something hoping that people chuckle and then they don't, oh, yeah, uh, that seems terrible. Yes. Welcome to my life. <laughs> The um, yeah. How do you deal with the feeling of when you write a joke, you say the punchline, you pause, and there's nothing, and there's <laughs> nothing. Well, you can either go, okay, maybe it's them, or um, well, it's a little bit of you have to believe. I would give something like three times, and if it's still getting nothing, you know, you can tweak it a little bit. Maybe you change the wording, or you you punch it up a little something. It's still getting nothing. Uh, maybe this is a, maybe I'm wrong on this. And sometimes you got to go. Maybe I'm just not. Yeah. 
there's a lot of jokes that you, you throw out because I, I think they're great, but they just don't work. And Fair sometimes enough. you just got to go, I got to let that one Fair go. Fair enough. Yeah, that one's for me, but got to let it go. Yeah, I love stand-up. I love watching stand-up. I try to do it regularly because it's just so fun. But I, yeah, of course, I see plenty of comedians try things. Yeah. And then nobody laughs and they kind of go, all right, uh, yeah. that one did not work. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you got to, you know, and you build confidence as you do it all, you know, for years and everything. But you got to get a sense of what will work and what doesn't after a while. But And the scary part is that you're not going to actually know until you try it. You don't. Oh, you don't. Gross. Yeah. Uh, but, but I'm drawn to this, though. Okay. I've always been somebody that like my sweet spot is that feeling of fear where you're really excited and kind of want to throw up at the same time. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So what was the, so like I'll do a standard questions of, uh, I always ask people, what was the craziest thing you've ever eaten abroad? Hmm. Yeah. I'm sure I, you had the Guinea pig in Peru. Uh, I didn't. You, didn't. you know why I, you know why I didn't? Why? Is because it was always the most expensive thing. Right. On the it's menu. like a delicacy. They kept telling you. And it just looked you know what? That, yeah, yeah know. you know, it's, and I had a guinea pig when I was younger, so it would yeah. kind of be like eating a dog, I guess, if you were a dog person growing right. up. I looked at it and I was like, snowflake. <laughs> I found it to be a lot of work for not a lot of meat. You know, there's it's no like a, meat on that. Yeah, it's like uh, you know, a lot of small bones. It's got to get in, almost like a like a you know, like Cornish know. game hen or like a. We used to dissect owl pellets in elementary school. That's owl you know, pellets? owl pellets. So owls, when they consume mice and rats, if you will, they um, digest it in their stomach, and then they actually regurgitate what they call an owl pellet. Their bodies aren't made to completely break down the bones and the fur, etc. So there's, God bless the person out there who is collecting all of these owl pellets for elementary school kids to dissect. I never did that. Owl pellets. Owl pellets. We dissected frogs. You did like worms and frogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, rats. They would have us. It, please, if there's anybody listening that <laughs> no. has dissected an owl pellet, so I don't sound crazy. The our job our job was to pick out the bones and then arrange them in this full skeleton of a a, gotcha. a rat. Mm. Basically, how do we get on this topic? Oh, weird be, things was, to eat. Yeah, you're not an adventurous eater, or. Uh, I'm not so. Okay. I mean, any. Uh, I will try plenty of local delicacies, but I'm not. I don't see a scorpion at a Thai street market and go, "Oh my god, is that scorpion?" Gotta, we gotta have that scorpion. Gotta have that scorpion. Delicious. Mm. Any food poisonings or? Oh, I've had definitely. Oh, definitely. India. You know. India took me out. Oh, it did I hear yeah. that a lot? I did get sick in India. But it was a quick 24-hour thing, and I was back on my feet. I actually got the most sick in Thailand. Oh. I know. One of my favorite places. I know. I love Thailand. It was just the once. And it was the most sick I've ever been because I ate at a street market, a Thai street market. And then I had, um, oh, what's the name of the, I'm forgetting the name of the, the bacteria that I had, but basically it's this corkscrew shape oh, right. uh, bacteria that burrows into, these, into your stomach lining. So there's none of the, we'll say symptoms of normal sickness. Yeah, I wasn't 
throwing up, for example, I just had these stomach pains that were as if someone was stabbing uh. a knife into my stomach and twisting it. Unimaginable pain. I How went long to the, did that go? I went to the emergency room immediately because ah, I... the old Thai emergency room. Thai emergency that room. That sounds great. I think my total bill was $30. Sure. Because they immediately, you know, put me on an IV. They gave me Cipro. They gave me Benadryl. They gave me a bunch of pills. They're, they're like, here, this will settle your stomach. Take these pills. Uh, and they knew what it was when I told them my symptoms. And I was just... You know, they cover the table in plastic and they put plastic over you, but whatever. Um, but yeah, I was just tossing and turning in pain Ugh. for probably 24 hours. And then they sent me on my merry way and I flew somewhere else in Thailand uh, trying to go through security. Oh, being like, in, in yes, pain. I'm doing well. Yes, oh. thank you very much. Take my passport. Ugh. But it was, it was terrible. It was just terrible. Any... Um any incidents with uh, border patrol or police anywhere in the world? <laughs> Do you love how I'm answering yes to yeah, all of I know. these I, questions? This is good. This is good. <laughs> I feel okay. Here, I'm honest because I feel like I come across a lot of quit your nine to five, live your travel dreams, and world that everyone talks about the gloriousness of travel, which uh, it is the best. Beautiful turquoise waters, hammocks with your laptop, working away on a blog post. Like, mm. there are, are incredible, incredible things. But when you go to other countries, you get sick. Sometimes you get robbed. And other times you get lost. Like, things just happen when you're willing to put yourself out there as an adventurer and go explore. Like, the minute you walk out your front door, like, anything can happen. But <laughs> um, so, Border Patrol. I don't know. I haven't had too many dilemmas. Probably the most challenging border control incident I've had was coming from Argentina back into the United States through Dallas. Because <laughs> they... Because they say, well, we get a lot of stamps from Uruguay. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. But they... Oh, gosh. They just... I had a really... It was so stressful because I had a really short connection and I'm coming through and they're asking me all the questions. They're like, so, South America, alone, hmm. as a woman, what are you doing there? Seems like you like it a lot. You spend a lot of time there, huh? What are you, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, nothing. You know, I just really love it. <laughs> <laughs> just going back, you know. And they they were really hung up on El Salvador for some reason. And I didn't even actually spend time there. I went to the airport. I had a six hour layover and got quickly. I didn't even leave the airport, but they were just hammering me questions. And I'd even actually forgotten that I'd gone there. They said, Oh, have you been to El Salvador before? And I goes, Oh no. He goes, Oh, why is that? Uh, why is that on my record then? Are you lying to me? I'm like, no, I'm not lying to you. I promise. I promise. I promise. I'm like, oh, oh my God. I did go there. I was in the airport. I didn't leave. He's like, I oh, swear I didn't leave. What were you doing there? Were you seeing someone? Were you meeting people? Were you picking something up? What you, you know, what's your favorite color? Mm -hmm. Why do you like that color? Is there something uh, gang affiliated that you might like with that color? Yeah. How many like, pounds of cocaine are you bringing? <laughs> yeah. And they, um, they actually, it was super embarrassing because right in front of me, they just ripped my entire bag open oh. and just were taking everything out and they took my feminine products apart because they said sometimes people 
who have my profile who are smuggling cigars will put them in the wrappers and they're like, oh, we want to make sure that you didn't do that. And so they're just, you know, I, I'm just opening the public as they're just really just wow. ransacking. And the worst part was that they didn't even kindly try to put it back together or anything. They just kind of had it in a heap and were like, here you go. Yeah. Now and you got to put it all back together. Mind you, I, I was on like an hour layover to get to my next oh, no. flights. I am just sweating. <laughs> and I didn't even reorganize my bag. I just shoved as, you know, I'm carrying things that were in my carry-on that were out. I'm just mm. like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> you know when you're in those moments when you're racing for a flight and it's just anything goes. You're just slight. You're, there's a, you know, like things are just hanging all over the place and you're running to make it. And I know it well. I just push over an old woman woman <laughs> i'm like everything doing the heisman through the whole airport trying to make it on time um okay well we got to get in your uh your plugs now so oh, okay where is it where can everybody find you where uh you got two different websites now i do i have two brands okay <laughs> so tell us all them so if you're interested in kind deeds you can go to thekindeffect.com we're on youtube we're on instagram the kind effect. The kind effect, everybody. And that's effect with an E, mm-hmm. not affect. And you can also visit my travel blog at heywanderwoman.com. Hey, Wonder Woman. Yeah. <laughs> Is that like a nickname that you have? Well, it sounds like Wonder Woman. And I thought Why? the whole yeah. Wonder Woman thing fit with um, going around it. trying to save the world. Yeah, you got it. You're smart. You I look, you're young, you're it. sprightly. Hey, but, but it's like, was there a Wonder Woman already? That you, you had to do hay? Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, uh, gotcha. <laughs> but they were, they weren't like a blogger personality. They were, there was like a, they tours or something and it was inactive. So I was like, all right, we'll go this way. Right. Well, finally, like all this travel, it's funny how like tragedy or any kind of like loss of a job or anything that, that affects your life in a negative way, people use travel to, as a way to kind of like heal from it. And you had... I can see kind of why. the same thing. How do you think travel has changed you as a person, as someone who didn't really leave the country, you know, as a kid? And how has it changed the way you look at things in life? How hasn't it yeah. really? Oh, man, where to start? Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, I guess, well, when you leave the place that you might identify as home, where everything is comfortable and familiar and you go somewhere fresh and new. I think for me, it's very easy to stay in the present moment when you're captivated in that sensation of awe and being in the present when you've been through trauma is really good for the brain because you're not ruminating about the past and everything that's already happened and you're not projecting into the future. You're just right there experiencing whatever incredible person that you're with that you meet on the road or whatever incredible monument or building or mountain or ocean that you're, you're looking at. Um, and it's so, it's something that continues to just revive and refresh my soul, I think, again and again and again. And what really keeps me addicted to going out and doing and seeing more is the opportunity to meet people who think and act differently than I do. Because I think travel is the thing that really makes a big difference in the world because you can think anything that you want to think about 
people of other walks of life, but until you actually go and meet them and try to understand is really when you can get a truer perspective on on their lives, which then leaves a mark on you and the way that you choose to live. It's a good answer. Thank you. That's great. So vote for me, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Megan for president. <laughs> hey, hey, Wonder Woman. Uh, well, thanks for doing this. Thank you we so can much finally, for having uh, me. No, this was fun. so much fun. Great. Um, so we'll find you online and hey, Wonder Woman. There and in the audience on the cruise ship when you're oh, performing man. your comedy bit. Boy, I'll, I'll bring you on stage and you can see... Hi, everybody. I'm yeah. Megan. I have nothing lined up. <laughs> yeah. Try to make those old people laugh for 45 minutes. Oh, oh God. That's got to be hard. Oh, yeah. It is. And old people. Yeah. What do you tell jokes about? The Beatles? Oh, boy. Yeah. Beatles taking over. <laughs> They're finally. That's a good one. I'll bring that up to them. Um, well, thanks for doing this. Yeah. That's thank great. you. Megan Snedden, everybody. Woo! Woo!